As we enter into 2024, one of the big questions that I always get, and people are always wondering is, what should I invest in when it comes to real estate? I think it's a universal thing. Everybody knows real estate is a good hedge against inflation, against recessions, against all the other things that are impacted by the value of the dollar and its inability to hold its value. Typically, real estate is a really good hedge against that because when the value of the dollar goes down, the houses become more expensive. And so the houses begin to appreciate mainly because of inflation, but also because of supply and demand. And everyone knows real estate's a really good thing to get into, but has no idea how to get into it because it only makes sense that you need money to buy a house. But that's also a really common misconception. And there's a lot of really interesting ways to do it. And so today I want to talk about the six different ways that you could get into real estate, begin investing into 2024 and what that looks like for you. Welcome to Entree Real Estate, where we turn the complexities of real estate into clear, actionable steps for building generational wealth. I've invested into different types of real estate all over the United States, and I run a thriving real estate fund. Join me as we document the entrepreneurial journey of scaling businesses and transforming the lives of tens of thousands of people around the world. Let's turn your real estate dreams into reality. Buckle up, because this is the start of something truly incredible. My name is Devin Robinson, and welcome to Entree Real Estate. So let's go ahead and dive in. Number one is wholesaling. The act of wholesaling real estate is very simple. Wholesaling real estate is literally the act of getting contractual interest into a property, taking that, and then selling it to another party. So let's say I go to Jim and I'm like, hey, Jim, love your house. I think your house is worth about $300,000, $350,000, something like that, but it needs some repair. Maybe Jim has some sort of motivation. Maybe Jim um, is going through a divorce, going through foreclosure, wants to move. Somebody in the family passed away and, and somebody left him the property and he doesn't really care about it, doesn't know what to do with it. So what happens is we would go to Jim and get that property at a discount based on the motivation that he has. So let's say I get Jim's house. It's worth 300,000. I get it at 200,000, needs some work. So then what I would do is I would get contractual interest with Jim. Thanks, Jim. Got that house for an under contract. And then I would go and I would take that contractual interest and I would look for another buyer for it. And I'd say, hey, anybody looking for Jim's house at 123 Main Street for 220000 Now I got it under contract with Jim for 200000 I'm selling that to somebody else. The ability to purchase that property at 220000 still a discount off of the three hundred. And so an investor is going to come, they're going to pay cash, and then they're going to close on that property. I'm going to make the delta. I'm going to make between the 200 and the 220, meaning I'm going to be able to walk away with $20,000. Now, the pros of this is it means I get to get into real estate, the activity of real estate without any cash out of my pocket. That's not quite true, but we'll talk about why it's not quite true in just a minute. But the great thing is I don't have to come with a ton of money down to be able to get into real estate. Now, I'm being very selective with my words. I'm not saying that I get to come with little to no money to get into real estate investing because I don't think wholesaling is investing. Wholesaling is like a sales and marketing company. It's like a sales and marketing thing. I am going and convincing Jim to give me his house at a lower rate. And so that's a sales tactic. And the way that I got to Jim was by marketing directly to that seller. And so that's why I think when people say, oh, get into real estate with no money down and no credit, like that's a complete lie. You need money to wholesale real estate because you need to have the ability to either get the data, skip trace it, get a virtual assistant, cold caller, texter, mailers, some sort of marketing technique to get directly to that seller to find his motivation and to be able to make that sell with him. So wholesaling is not get into real estate with no money. It still requires money to run all of those things. And honestly, I think it's even a little bit harder 
than other real estate avenues because you actually have to build out the systems and the processes and the scripts and the sales processes, the marketing process. Because again, it's a sales and marketing company, not really a real estate investing company. But it comes with a lot of pros. You can have a good amount of short-term cash flow. You can make $20,000 off of a house. We've made $113,000 assignment fees. We've made pretty big assignment fees. So there's a great opportunity to make money. Some of the cons are, honestly, you got to go and it's a grind to make 10,000 calls. Let me break this down. For one cold caller, we're skip tracing 10,000 records. That's over 20,000 calls for that cold caller a month. That cold caller is going to get anywhere between two to three leads per day, maybe four, some days five, and some days one. So it really just balances out. So you're looking at anywhere between, gosh, 60 and 100 leads per month off of 20,000 dials. And so really, you have to have an infrastructure in place and a sales process in place to hire somebody to do that, probably a virtual assistant, so that you don't have to make 20,000 calls a month to try to get 100 leads, which ultimately would lead to anywhere between two to four deals a month. And so that works if that's something you want to do. And typically, you want to outsource that because wholesaling is not free. On the contrary, it actually costs a good amount of money to do all of those things. And so we've built out our systems and processes so that we get, on average, anywhere between 8 and 12 contracts on properties a month. It's a lot. We're doing a good amount, either creative finances, installment method. We do fix and flip. We do new development. We do all of those things. But we've built out the systems and processes to do it. The second way you could get involved is fix and flipping. Now, there's a couple ways that you can go about going and getting your deals through fix and flipping. One of the greatest ways to do it is by having a wholesale company that then what you're doing is you're cutting out the middleman. So for us, we wholesale a ton of houses to ourselves. So my wholesale company wholesales the house to my fund. So then my wholesale company actually gets to make money to be able to continue the marketing avenue while the fund gets houses at a deep discount that we get to flip and then we get to make a good profit on. So it's a win-win for us there. Now, if you don't have a wholesaling company, you want to do a couple things. You want to join real estate uh, investing groups in your area. So just go on Facebook and go Charlotte Real Estate Investors, Tampa Real Estate Investors, just depending on where you are, join those groups. There's going to be wholesalers in there looking to sell you properties that they have spent the marketing and the sales process on, and they are going to make the delta between what they've got under contract for and what they're selling it to you at. And you've got to be okay with them making money because they've worked really hard to do that and you are still getting a property at a deep discount. Another way for you to find houses as a fix and flipper would be to go on to essentially an off-market MLS. One of the best ones that, actually the best one that's out there is one called Investor Lift. I would highly suggest you check it out. Essentially, it's like the MLS for off-market properties. There's gonna be a bunch of wholesalers that get their houses under contract and then they put them on that. The next place you can find deals is on the MLS. And one of the best ways we like to do that is with an app called Privy. So what Privy is going to do is it's going to categorize the properties that are currently on the market. And it's going to say, based on fix and flips that have been in the area, this one fits that criteria. But based on the specs of the home, how much it's listed at, and then how much the, the after repair value of that house is based on other houses and comps of other houses in the area. That was a, that's a really helpful way for us when we are trying to purchase properties in different markets, going directly on the MLS and finding good deals on the MLS. So fix and flipping could be really advantageous for you. And some of the pros are huge amount of ROI. You get a property at 200,000. When you fix it up, it's worth 400,000. It's worth 360,000. There's a good opportunity for profit there, depending on how deep of a discount you get it at. You also may be somebody that is honestly loves to be creative and loves to build out 
properties and, and put a project together and, and bring it to life and have that creative fulfillment. That's a really cool thing to have. And I, I know people that love flipping specifically for that reason. So they don't flip a lot, but they flip as much as they need to get that fulfillment. Now, the cons are a lot more than wholesaling. Honestly, you have an asset now that you are borrowed money on that you are responsible for bringing to fruition and then hoping it sells at what you've underwritten it at. There's a lot of variables in there that can go wrong. And so you want to make sure that you've got your numbers dialed in, absolutely dialed in. I actually, in my free Facebook group, uh, I did an underwriting, walking people through how should they underwrite properties so that they don't lose money on properties. So if you're not in that Facebook group, make sure you join that Facebook group. There'll definitely be a link in the notes uh, for you to be able to check that out. So you want to make sure you underwrite it right because you can lose a lot of money on it. I can tell you right now, there's going to be unexpected costs because it is a house. You got to manage people. You got to manage crews that you maybe have never worked with before. You got to find and vet them. It's just a much longer process that's a lot more drawn out. And sometimes it just makes more sense to wholesale a property rather than to flip it. And so you may just want to do that, but flipping could bring that enjoyment for you. Number three, one of the biggest ways that I think getting into real estate, especially if you have capital, would be to get into multifamily real estate. This can be through what's called syndications. Typically a syndication has three people involved in it. It's gonna have an operator, somebody who's gonna operate and oversee all the things that go on with that syndication as well as um, the management of that asset. And then you've got the deal finder is the person that goes out and finds the deal that then the operator operates. And then you've got the, the person who brings the money. That's gonna be a more of a passive investor. That's going to want a much higher tax depreciation because they're getting a larger multifamily deal. And then that's also going to be an asset that they own part of. So they do, they get that tax depreciation and then they also take monthly cash flow. It's not going to be as much monthly cash flow. The depreciation is really like the big play in this. And typically what you do is in about five years, you'd sell it off and make a large profit on it. So like the pros on that is you've got a really good cash flow on it monthly that's going to be consistent because it's a multifamily deal. It's much easier to fill vacancies in a multifamily unit than a lot of other assets. And so you have that consistency. It's also economies of scale. And let's just say, let's say I go to 100 houses. Now I have 100 jobs, 100 renovations, 100 crews, 100 closings that I have to do. Whereas if you do a 100 unit apartment complex, then that's one closing on one HUD, one loan with the bank, one lender, and then you can actually just work with one property management company rather than going to a bunch of different uh, areas. So it makes it actually cheaper when you spread out the cost of a hundred different units versus a hundred different properties in different areas. So the economies of scale just makes a lot more sense on a multifamily unit. But the cons are you got to have the capital to be able to get into something like that. You also have to have the, and no good operators that are running good businesses that are getting into stuff like that. Now, I think this is number four, but my favorite way for people to invest into real estate is passively. You could be a private lender for a lot of investors out there. I'm not saying it has to be me, but I'm saying there's a lot of investors that will actually borrow your money and give you a favorable return for letting them borrow your money. And with that, they go and purchase a property, renovate the property, most likely refinance the property or sell the property, and then give you your money back with interest. Something very similar to our fund and what we do, except we hold the capital for a year minimum instead of one job. And, and people own equity in our fund. And so they get to claim de tax depreciation. And there's all sorts of things that have benefits in that. And there's profit sharing instead of like just the private lending. Cause I've done both. Both have their place. Both are awesome. And typically if you're a private lender, then you actually are on that deed with that investor. So that if that investor either can't sell the property, defaults in some way, that house is actually deeded over to you. Whereas something like a real estate fund, 
that's not going to be the case. You are going to be able to have a lot more incentives in something like a larger fund, but you have a lot more security in something that is a little bit more private and personal, like a single property passive investment. Now, the bad thing about being a passive investor is it doesn't have a whole lot of liquidity. You're not going to have the ability to just pull your cash out whenever you want. You're stuck to that project. If it's a year hold because you're in something like a fund and they have a one, three, five year hold, then that's what you've committed to. If you are on a single property, then you've got to wait for that job to be done. You can't just pull cash out of it. It's got no liquidity. But with that lack of liquidity comes significantly higher returns than the market average. So there is a give and take there. Of course, you always run the risk of defaulting. Let's say that investor doesn't do a good job at don't have the best track record, but you decided you would trust them anyway and it didn't work out. That's just the risk when it comes to, to getting into real estate. That's why you want to really make sure that the person that you invest in has a really good track record, has a great team, has a good infrastructure in place, has a lot of good risk mitigation. Overall, I think that it's the best way to invest into real estate because it's very passive and it's backed by real estate. And so I think that it's probably one of the best ways to invest in 2024, especially if you're not sure what the market's gonna do, you don't have experience. But I do also believe, huge, I also believe a, a great amount in the generational wealth aspect of real estate. And so by all means, like I want you to learn those things. So make sure you follow along here because I wanna teach all those things. Make sure you join the group because I wanna make sure that I can help you with all those things and you can speak to me back and forth and we can chop that stuff up. That's a really big deal for me. And one of the final ways I think you can invest in real estate in 2024 would be to get some sort of short-term rental. Now, I'm not very bullish on short-term rentals. I just, I don't believe in the longevity of it. One, because regulations are coming down and I hear people being regulated in a lot of my masterminds and I just, I see it too often and I just don't believe in the longevity. I think there's too much big money in hotels lobbying against things like Airbnb, because they're taking, it's taking their money. Now, I think Airbnb has its place in a lot of smaller niche markets. And I think that that could be a fair place for Airbnb. But I think the larger hotels are going to continue to push against that model because it's taking direct customers away from them. I think ultimately, it's still relatively new as real estate is concerned. So you still see a ton of regulation coming down. That's why I'm significantly more bullish on things like boutique hotels, and so that's going to be a big play for us coming in the next year. And we didn't even touch on some of the things that we do, which is larger land development, which is new builds, boutique hotels. Those are some of my favorite things that we do, but also they're not they're not something that as a new investor, you should look into doing in 2024. So I'm excited. I hope that this is helpful for you. If this is, make sure you give a follow, follow along, like it, hit me up on social media, join the Facebook group. I'd love to give as much value as I possibly can. But I appreciate you. I appreciate your time and your attention. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. And, and honestly, leave me a comment or uh, hit me up. I'd love to hear how you're investing in 2024 and what your plans are. And if you need any help, let me know. I'd love to be as helpful as I can. So I hope you have a fantastic day. I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much.